love has a name, and it's Jesus. Amen. And today I want to talk to you on this simple subject of love is more than a theory. Love is more than a theory. All right? Love is more than a theory. Um, and here's the deal. We all have theories. All of us do. Um, and let me explain to you what I mean when I say that we all have theories. Before I got married, before I got married, I thought I understood what marriage was. I thought I had it all figured out in my mind. You know, you could see someone, you could see a couple that is married, and, and, if, and some people can make it look super easy, right? You could look at them and, make, and just say, man, those people are in love. They, they make it look so good. It's just simple to them. Well, I had this idea that I would be uh, the most enlightened husband, and my wife would be so lucky to be with such a handsome guy like me. So why are you guys laughing at my theory? <laughs> Who said that? This is what I found out after I got married. That theory that I had that I thought went burning down like a, like a ship. That I thought that I understood marriage. And, and really uh, when I became married, I, I learned that marriage is work sometimes. Because here's the thing. When you're dating someone, um, you know, there's always those great feelings and you spend some time together and then you're away from each other and then you come back together. It's easy to get those, those warm feelings again. But when you're married to someone and you're with them 100% of the time, you learn little things about people, right? You learn that they throw their clothes in the bathroom and <clears throat> your wife comes and picks them up for you. Right? You learn those little nuances. And so I had this theory of what I thought marriage was. Here's another one. Here's another theory that I had. Before I had children. Ooh. I was that person that used to roll my eyes at the people in the grocery store whose toddlers were throwing a fit. I'd sit there with my stuff, and there he would be throwing a fit, and I'd roll my eyes and be like, oh. And I had the audacity to say, I will never have a child like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> and sure enough, I had, I, I, you know, I have three kids. And still today, sometimes I, I got to put Wyatt back at his place in the grocery store when he wants something. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Sometimes, every once in a while. But, and, and, and so I made those bold statements and said, oh, my child will never act that way. Well, after having three kids, that theory has crashed and burned, and I realized, hey, you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't play out the way that you think it should, right? Another one, here's another one, and I, you know, just being transparent, before I became a pastor, a lead pastor at a church, I served as a youth pastor, I served as a, a worship pastor, and I served as an associate pastor, and sometimes my pastors would make decisions, and I was like, why are you making that decision? You know, in my mind, I question. Well, I don't understand why the pastor. Well, guess what? Now that I'm in that position, I've learned, hey, I understand why pastors make some of the decisions that they make at times. And so, um, and so, you know, so we all have theories, right? And we all have, the list could go on and on and on. And, and we have all had theories, and, and we think that they're great until, until of course, they have a head-on collision with reality. Right? We learned that when, when we, uh, you know, and I, I, me and my wife, we have a great marriage. But, but I learned that when, when I got married, there were, there were things that, that we just didn't quite see or didn't quite understand that like we thought we understood. Uh, how you envision things it, uh, going is rarely the same as how they actually go. Am I right? And the truth is, it also applies to dealing with people. And loving people is really simple in theory. We talk about it all the time, right, in church. We say it all the time. And we say, oh, this is really easy. Uh, but here's the thing. Loving people can be really, 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 really messy. <clears throat> Amen? So thankfully, we learned from Jesus that love is so much more than a theory. And so if you have your Bible, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to be verse 34 through 40. When you got it, it say, I got it. When you don't, look up on the screen. It'll be right there. 
Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. Look at your neighbor, smile at him real big. Say, it's good to see you today. Look at your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much. Smile at them. Show them your teeth. Don't take them out, but show them your teeth. Say, it's good to see you too. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, it says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Boy, isn't it like a lawyer to test people. He's, here he is testing Jesus. And he says this. It's almost like he's, he's uh, saying this sarcastically here. Teacher, who is the, uh, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? And verse 37 says this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38. This is the great and first commandment. Look at this, the next part, verse, verse 39. And a second is like it. Everyone say like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40 says this. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word today. God, I ask, Lord, that you would use me how you see fit today. God, I pray, Lord, that this word would penetrate our hearts. Lord, that we would be forever changed in this place. God, I pray that you soften our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So here's, here's the deal. The Pharisees, they're trying to trick Jesus here. They, throughout this whole chapter here, if you go back and read it, uh, the Sadducees, they try to confuse Jesus and try to, Ask him a question prior to this, and then he, he answers that question. Then, then the Pharisees come along, and they're trying to ask him this question. See, here's the deal. There were, um, uh, going through the Old Testament, if we go through the Old Testament, they're talking about there are 1,613 laws that existed that originally were, that it came from the Ten Commandments. Remember, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Ten simple commandments. Well, what, what happens is through time, and they, in order to exist, they had created all these external laws, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, and what you should do in, in these different cases. And there ended up being 613 laws. Isn't it like humans to take something very simple and to make it hard? Amen. We like to add extra steps. And so, and, and, and in those 613 laws, there was light laws or light rules. And then there were weighty ones. A weighty one would be, hey, thou shalt not murder, right? That's a pretty heavy one. How many know that that's a heavy one, right? And then there were light ones like you, you can't use the milk of a goat that you killed. Uh, you can't cook a mother goat in, in her own milk, basically. So there was these, these laws. And so here they are, and, and the... Pharisees are trying to trip Jesus up. How many know that they're always trying to trip Jesus up? And they're trying to, to, to get him to say something here. And they know there are 613 laws. The Pharisees would have known these, almost probably had them all down in their heart. They could probably almost quote them ver verbatim. And, and so Jesus, this is what he does. This is what I love about Jesus. He quotes the Shema, which is, uh, uh, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which is Deuteronomy 6.5. And Jesus takes these 613 rules and he simplifies it into two things. That's what he does. He simplifies it into two things. I'll sum it up for you. How many like it when people sum it up? <clears throat> Pastor, sum it up. That's what you're saying right now. Pastor, sum it up. Right? And, and, and he turns it into two things. The first being love the Lord God. And that speaks of our, you've heard me talk about this, that speaks of our vertical relationship with God. Love the Lord God with all your heart. We already know that God loves you, right? There's a song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. What? For the Bible tells We know that God loves us, but our command from God is that we love him. Amen. So there's this vertical relationship. And then the, and, and the first four commandments and the, and the ten commandments deal with our relationship with the Lord. They all deal with, with the Lord. They're, they're vertical. And then the second command, and, and I, I said this, everyone say, like it. 
Jesus said it in our verse. He said, like it, or, or it's linked to the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the horizontal relationship, which we have six commandments that, that if we abide by those commandments, they are to help me to live with my neighbor. They are to help your neighbor to live with you. And, and they're dealing with how I get along with others. And, and it simply put, you know, and I love this, Jesus makes it so easy that a young child can understand this. Love God and love others. Simple, right? Super simple. And, and it seems simple in theory, but oftentimes it doesn't translate in our lives. Like what I thought marriage was going to be like. And there's times. And so I want to break these down, and I, I want to focus on the, on the latter. But I do want to talk about the first one, love God. Everyone say, love God. Love God. It says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, what's interesting about that statement, Jesus saying that to the Pharisees, is he's basically kind of putting them in their place. Because the Pharisees would take that, that very quote, and they would put it in, 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 in on their head. They would have it on their body at all times, because it was something that they knew that they needed to do. And so Jesus, by quoting this, they would know that. They would, be, they would know that, that that is from Deuteronomy. And here's the thing. It's easy to overlook Overlook this, but Jesus, man, he gives us uh, the secret sauce here. He gives us the 11 herbs and spices on what we should do on how to love the Lord. How many want to make it easy? How many like it when the Lord spells it out for you? Well, this is what he says. He says, you are to love the Lord God with our heart. Everyone say heart. With our soul and with our mind. And can I tell you, those three things represent a whole person. Your, your whole being is made of those three parts, your heart, your soul, and your mind. God wants you to love him with 100% of who you are. Amen? So let's talk about this, the heart. To love God with all your heart means to love him with all of your emotions. When I look at Tristan and say, Tristan, and I look in her baby blue eyes, and I see her wavy blonde hair, and I see her, and I just, woo, my, my heart starts beating peanut butter, blue, 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 right? And I see her, and I look at her, and I say, Tristan, I love you with all my heart. You know what she doesn't think of? She does not think of my aorta and the chambers of my heart and the veins and all the vessels in my heart. She does not think of my physical heart sitting there beating and going, TJ, that is gross. I don't really care about your body organ. Right? It is the seed of emotion. When we, say, when we tell someone we love them with all our heart, we're telling them, I love you from the deepest part of my emotions. I care about you. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the seed of emotion was the bowels. I love you with all my bowels. My bowels moved for you. Scripture says that at times. And, I mean, you want to throw a, a curve to your wife, get her a colon-shaped Chocolate, I don't know. That's just weird. I'm so glad that the heart's the seat of emotions now. <laughs> but look at this. The heart is the seat of emotions. We, we are emotional beings. We're made up of emotions, right? There's days that we're happy. There's days that we're sad. There's days that we're, we're things, we're angry. I mean, we, we are full of emotion, but here's the deal. To love God with all your heart, listen, when you love God with all your heart, it brings joy, amen? It brings peace, amen? It brings love. It brings healing to your emotions, and here's the deal. It's a day-to-day -day process, loving the Lord with all your heart. It's not something that is done automatically. Let me tell you something. You are going to have to get up some days, and you're going to have to say, I don't feel like it, but I choose to love you today. I choose to love you, Lord, with all that I am, with all of my heart, Lord. And some days it's easy to love the Lord, but there are days where I have to dig a little bit deeper and remember the times that he brought me out of things in the past. Amen. Everyone say, I will love the Lord with all my heart. 
Here's the next part. He says, the soul. When you love, the, love God with all your soul, you realize that, that there's something inside of you missing when he's not around. Uh, think about this. With all the intricacies of the universe, think about this. We live in a perfect world. You know, NASA says that we are Goldilocks. The earth is Goldilocks because we have the perfect amount of gravity. We have the perfect amount of sunlight. We have the perfect amount of air. We are the perfect Goldilocks thing, okay? And, 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 and they say that. And how throughout the whole universe that we, God, has placed us in the perfect Place. Now look at this. What about this? What about your body? Have you ever have you ever studied the human body? It, it is amazing how God created these bodies. They do a lot. There's a whole lot happening. And even out of the, the millions and millions of cells in your body that God knows you personally and that God knows how many hairs are on your head. Some of that, some of us that's a little bit easier for the Lord, right? God knows you. He knows. He knows you. And here's the thing. Inside of all of us, there is a hole that longs for a relationship with God. Inside of your soul, you, you say, hey, I, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. But something inside of me, I, I know deep in the quiet times, you know there is something more than just this life. I know that because there are celebrities who, who have everything at their finger, fingertips. They have fame. They have money. They have everything that you could ever, this earth could ever give them. But at the end of the day, they're still miserable because they, are, they don't have Jesus Christ to fill that hole. Amen? And that hole is the need for God, plain and simple, and there's a longing to fill it. And I say this, oh, you know, this, this, and you know, not, um, not that I'm picking on people's hobbies, but we fill the, that hole with hobbies. And it doesn't satisfy. We fill that hole with relationships. And they don't satisfy. We fill those that hole with careers or with education. And then sometimes we feel, you know, depending on circumstances, we try to fill that hole with drugs and with alcohol. And those things will never fill the place of where Jesus Christ belongs. They'll only leave you empty. And when, when we love God with, with, with this part, our soul, ourselves, we understand our purpose and our need for him. I don't know about you. I've been saved a long time. I need Jesus more today than I ever have. And I know that because, listen, I've, I've come to this conclusion. I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart. Everyone say, I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul. And here's the next one, with your mind. Everyone say, mind. Now, here's the deal. Once we... Once we trust him with our soul, now, now we, now we are, are trusting him. Uh, we, we, we have to trust him with, with our heart. We have to continue to the next area. And this is it. Proverbs 3, 5 is not depending on our what? Our own understanding. Now, I know you're smart. I know there's some smart people in this building. I know there's some educated people in this building. But listen, your mind is finite compared to an all-knowing God. I, I love the story of Job, you know, where he, where he is talking to his friends and he's trying to figure out why he's going through all these trials and situations. I, I believe it's uh, chapter 36. He's there and, and God just starts talking to Job and he says, hey, Job, where were you when, when I created the universe? Where were you when he starts to just... Talk to Job just straight. Where were you, Mr. All-Knowing and All-Understanding? He's just calling him out right there. And in our own minds, sometimes we, we try to think God away. And is it possible? And here's the thing. It's very well possible for us to know the Bible. Listen to me. It is very well possible for us to know the Bible and still live and believe a lie of the enemy. Some of you have believed this lie, I'm not good enough. You've heard that from somewhere, and you've lived with that, and that's just haunted you, and you've believed that lie. Some of you have believed this lie, God can't use me, I have a past. Or some of you have believed this lie, God won't heal me. Or, you know, some of us say, hey, uh, if I do this, no one will ever know, right? And, and here's the thing, when I trust the Lord, when I, when I trust 
my mind, or when I trust my mind, it can lead to believing lies. When I trust my mind, it can believe to leading lies. Instead, I should know what, uh, you know, Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever things are true, right? Mm. Whatever things are true. So stop believing the lie and start believing the truth. What does God say about you? Ephesians 2, 10 says that you are his masterpiece. That he created things for you to do long ago. So the lie of the enemy that says, hey, I'm not good enough. The lie of the enemy that says that God can't use me is a, is a misnomer on our part because we don't know what the word says. Because God says, you are his masterpiece and he has created things for you to do. He created them a long time ago. So the second command, and we're going to jump to this one. The second command is linked to the first. Everyone say linked. When you love God correctly, listen, when you love God correctly, when you when you are loving him correctly, you will see people through his lens and not yours. Which leads to this second part, loving your neighbor. Everyone say loving your neighbor. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, I love you. Oh, that was awkward for some of you. See, there's a misnomer here uh, in, in that people preach sometimes. And the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the misnomer is this. When some people teach it, they say, you cannot love someone else until you love yourself. And, and, and they, they teach that. But, but when Jesus says this verse, it's under the assumption that most people love themselves. Whether you realize it or not, most of us will pick the best for ourselves. When I make my wife a plate, which is far and few between, but when I do make my wife a plate and I'm looking at all the pieces of chicken, guess what? I will pick the best piece of chicken for me. I'm being transparent. I'm being honest. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, Pastor, how could you do that? Oh, you do the same thing. If you're making your kid a play, you, you pick the best thing that you want that looks good for you, right? We love ourselves, right? I know it is a shame, but it's true. And I bet if you ask Tristan, she'd probably say she does the same thing. Maybe not. Maybe she's better than me. I, I, I'd say she probably is. But here's the thing. We are born selfish by nature. We are. You ever been around a baby very long? They want, they want, they want, they want. They're hungry. They want to be held. They want to be changed. It's all about them, right? They don't know any better. They're, they're young, and, and that's okay. But here's the thing. We are born selfish by nature, but to love others, we have to learn to choose to love. It doesn't always come easy, and you have to love like Christ. We are good at talking about it. Now, listen, I'm talking about uh, 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 love is not a theory. We're good at talking about it. We hear it all the time, right? Love God, love others. Easy to talk about. Yeah, I love everybody. Well, guess what? When it's time for action, some of us stumble big times. We can discuss it, but if we truly believe it, we we have, to, we, we have to love our neighbor, and we have to love them with action. I can tell my neighbor I love them all day long, but if there's no action behind it, it it's empty words. John 13, 35 says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Here's the, there's the criteria to how you are supposed to love someone. Not, not how you want to love them, but you are to love them as Christ has loved you. Do you understand the depth of that statement? It's amazing to me. And it's Jesus' command, and it's our purpose to live it out to our neighbors. I got news for you. You can't love them like you want to. You have to love them by his standard, by how he loves you. How many would say Jesus loves you? Both my legs up at the same time, I would do it. We are to love our neighbors the same way that Jesus loves us. 
Matter of fact, we love, we, we are only able to love because Christ loved us first. So look at this. I, I, and I've got two simple points here that I'm going to end. Someone's like, man, pastor's on a roll today. We are flying today. I'm going to sum it up. I'm going to try to do like Jesus. I'm going to sum it up. Two things here. Love is a verb. Everyone say love is a verb. And I'm sorry, John Mayer, Jesus said it and modeled it first. That You didn't come up with that, that song, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. About three of you. That's all right. Loving my neighbor is not always easy. It is not always easy to love, uh, 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 love my neighbor. And, and, and sometimes they get on my nerves. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they try my patience. Somebody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes they just plain old irritate me. Anybody ever been irritated at someone? Oh, you guys are so holy in this house. <laughs> Love is a verb. It's a choice that I make and a decision to do and follow through. Love is, is getting up every day. It, it is, is making the choice. I'm going to love on people. Even when they're mean to me, I'm going to love on people. Even when they cut me off, I'm going to love on people. Lord, help me on that one. We say we love someone, we imply it, but oftentimes there are never any actions behind our empty words. Okay, now we're getting down to where the rubber meets the road, aren't we? And here's the thing. The world is watching the church, and the world is tired of lip service. They look at the church and say, you say you love people, but we're not seeing any action. You say it a lot, you say it a lot, but we're not seeing it indeed. We're not, we're not seeing you follow through with what you're saying. Your actions are not lining up with your words. And the world is looking at the church and this, listen, this young generation that's coming up, they are not afraid of church. They are not afraid of church. Matter of fact, they are seeking the truth. But here's the deal. They don't want lip service. They want to see your words and your actions lining up. Plain and simple. They say, hey, you love God? You show me by how you live then. You say that you love God? You say that you love people? Then you show me that you love people by how you act and how you treat them. Jesus would go on in John chapter 13, verse 34, the second part of this verse, and 35, I alluded to it earlier, says, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. It's not based on, uh, I'm supposed to love people not based on how I feel about them, but because Christ first loved me. And so just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will what? Will know that you are my disciples if you have Love for one another. How's the world going to know? By how much you pray? By how much you go to church? Those are good things. They're not bad. By how much you worship? By how much? No. The world is going to know that you're Christ's disciples by how you love and how you treat others. It's the best witness you have. It's the best witness, and, and it's easy. It's a simple thing. We say, hey, this is easy in theory, but when we have to walk it out, sometimes it just gets a little bit messy, right? First Peter 4.8 says this, most important of all, continue to show. Everyone say show. I love this translation. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Some of us need to learn to show love towards our spouses again. Some of us need to, to learn to show love towards our children again. Some of us need to learn to show love towards our neighbor. Simple in theory, but, man, sometimes it's tough. I remember one time I was in Dallas, 
And um, I was living in Dallas, and I had t- taken someone to the airport. And I think, I, I can't remember who it was, but I, I'm pretty sure it was somebody that had, had spoke for us or uh, did ministry for us. And I was doing the, the, you know, the Christian thing and taking them up to the airport and acting all holy. You know, I'm a I'm youth pastor, right? I'm, I'm doing all these things. And, we, uh, and on the way home, I had to stop and get gas. And I, I stopped just north of downtown Dallas to get gas. And I stopped to get gas. And while I'm getting gas, there's this lady there. And, and, and she's um, uh, an African-American lady. And she has a young child. The baby's crying. And she's got tears in her eyes. And I see her there. And I'm just like... Uh, you know, my heart begins to kind of break for her, and, and she says, can you help me, sir? I, I'm, I'm, I'm from down south. I'm a couple hundred miles south. I'm trying to go north. I have family that's about 100 miles north of here, and I'm trying to get up there to them. I need some gas money, and I, my baby just needs some food, and I don't have any money, and I'm leaving this terrible relationship, abusive relationship, and I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope, and here I am. And, there, and, 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 and I said, yeah, I, I can help you out. And I'll never forget this. I went inside the store to get her, her baby some stuff, some her toddler, some things. And I went in there, and I started grabbing everything that was the cheapest and, and, and the, the worst thing that you could grab for a kid. And I had this whole thing that I had pulled in my arms, and I had it in my arms, and I went to the checkout. And I was about to check out, and the Holy Spirit said, would you buy that stuff for your kids? And I said, okay, checkmate. And I put it back, and I went inside. I went outside, and I said, hey, I need you to come here. I need you to come here. And I said, you get whatever your baby wants right now. Whatever your baby will eat, whatever you know that your baby will get, I want you to, I want you to get a drink, and I want you to get you, get you something, and I, I, I want to bless you here. And I believed, here's the thing, at that moment, here I was in the ministry doing things, and I believed that I loved her. The Holy Spirit said, hey, there's a little bit more action that you could take here, Skiles. He talks to me by my last name. And I'll never forget just feeling that feeling of, God, I, I wouldn't, I, I'd give my babies whatever they want. I, I'm not loving her like I would love myself. Because if Zaylee went in there and she said, Dad, I, I want to get a Coke, I would be like, get a Coke. Right? But here's this lady, she's just wanting something. And God taught me a lesson that day. About loving your neighbor. Love is a verb. Everybody say love is a verb. Look at this. Here's the next thing. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here. Love is messy. Love is messy. This is, this is, this is the part. Yeah, I, listen, buckle up. Buckle up. Listen to me, church. Buckle up. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with me on this. How many love a good rack of ribs? Man, how many would love to just go get a rack of ribs right now? All right. Let me sum this up then. How many know that there, are, there is no proper way to eat ribs? If you pull out ribs and you got your little fork and knife and you're cutting it, you've already missed the mark on eating ribs, right? There is a reason that they do not serve ribs in fine dining establishments. Ribs are not designed to be eaten neatly, right? Uh, uh, you're, you are to grab those ribs and with all the barbecue sauce, and you are to take those things and get your fingers all full of barbecue sauce. How many know get it underneath your nails, get in there, work it, grab that rib, eat it, get it all over your cheeks while you're eating? You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you eat ribs like I do. And if you aren't sticky by the time you're done eating ribs, you have not ate ribs. There's no easy, clean way to eat ribs. It's, it's messy. And this is what happens when you're done with those ribs. You, there's a reason they give you a wet one. Clean yourself up, right? You do like me. You have it on your fingers. You just go, right? Am I the only one that does that? All right, I'm, I'm, I, listen, I'm just being real. So it is like loving people, it's messy. Loving people is a messy business. 
Can I tell you that loving people is going to cost you time? It's going to maybe cost you money at times. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to challenge your patience. Love is messy sometimes. And just because loving someone is messy doesn't mean that we avoid it. This is what I, you know, some of us don't eat ribs because we don't like getting messy. I'm the complete opposite. I'm going for them ribs if I can. In Luke chapter 10, parallel story to our text today, Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan. And it says a certain man was going down from Jericho, the Jericho Road, which is also known as the Blood Road, uh, and, and it was known for its thieves going from Jerusalem to Jericho. is about 15-mile length the road and it, and it dropped 3,000 feet elevation down to Jericho. Jerusalem's up high and Jericho drops. And, and so it's kind of like canyon driven. And so you go through there, the road's about six foot wide. And so Jesus tells this story and he knows this and, and he tells this parable. This man goes down this road and he is robbed and he is beat up and left on the side of the road. Jesus tells this story that along comes a priest and and the priest is a dignified leader, right? Is a is a dignified religious leader. They 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 uh, they have uh, they have uh, they have authority. He he you know this priest he has he has a job to do. He is religious. He literally does this when he sees the man, he sees the man, and he says, "I don't have time to mess with you today." I, I can't touch you. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The priest, he, he knew that if he touched the man that he would be unclean. And I don't have time to go through all that ceremonial change to, to, to be clean again. And I, I don't have time to mess with you. I don't have time to deal with the mess. I have the resources, but I don't have time to mess with it. I've got ministry to do. I've got things I've got to do, so I don't have time. And how many times are we so busy doing the work of the Lord that we miss being the heart of the Lord? Here's a priest, a religious one. He knows his stuff, but he's in too big of a hurry to help a man that he sees in need. Look at this. Next person comes along is a Levite. This guy's a temple assistant, or he's he's like a like a staff member at a church. He's 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 someone that is doing ministry, and he passes the injured man as well. But maybe maybe he passes him, you know, in fear because hey, maybe this guy is a setup. I know this road, and I know if I stop, maybe people will come out and jump and and rob me. And maybe they'll nearly kill me as well. And here's the thing. My self-preservation is more important than him. I love this story. This story hits me every time. It's one of the first stories in Sunday school that I can recall that I remember just being like, wow. My self-preservation is more important than him. And, 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 and listen, when we think that way, that is not loving your neighbor. What's going to cost me? I don't really have the fun. It's going to cost me to have to help that person. Love your neighbor. He knew the law. He worked alongside the priest in the temple. So self-preservation is more to me. So here's the, the last one, the Samaritan. Many of you know the story and, and all the, the depth to it. The Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along. Jews actually called Samaritans second-rate citizens because of because they had, had separated from the Jews and, and married other people. And so they, they, they were basically pretty much racist to them. But here comes a Samaritan. And Samaritan, he's not worried about time or what he has to do, but he sees the need and he says, this guy needs my help. He didn't ask him, hey, are you a Jew? Are you a Samaritan? He didn't worry about that. It didn't matter. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? He didn't worry about that. But he saw this man through the lens of love. 
I got to help this guy. Scripture says he, he puts oil on his wounds. And oil in the scripture always talks about the spirit of God. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're wounded. Can I tell you the spirit of God wants to put salve on your wounds? And I know it hurts. But this Samaritan, he takes oil and he puts it on his wounds to say, hey, God can soothe these things. And then, then it says that he used wine to disinfect the wounds. As well, he pours wine into the wounds. And wine in the Bible represents Christ's blood. And the blood of Jesus has not lost its power but will cover a multitude of sin. Jesus' blood, it washes us, it cleanses us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Through His blood. Everyone say blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He puts the man on his donkey and walks him to a, an inn. And he goes in and he says, hey, I, I'm going to pay for this guy's room. I'm going to, whatever it costs to keep him here, I got the bill. So too, listen to me, so too Jesus paid the price for you and me on Calvary. He footed the bill for your sins and your transgressions and mine. He said, this person needs my help. Here's the deal. The priest, too busy. The Levite, self-preservation, too busy. The Samaritan, the least likely showed compassion. Was it messy? Yes. Was it inconvenient? Absolutely. Was it costly? Yes. Yet the Samaritan showed love here like we ought to show love today to people around us. It wasn't based on what the Samaritan would get out of taking care of this guy. It was based on you have a need and I love you. It's seeing people through the lens of love. Amen. Jesus loves the last. Listen to me. Jesus loves the last. Jesus loves the least. And Jesus loves the lost. And so should we. And love requires action, not just theories. Look at this. I'm going to show you one more verse. I'm going to end here on a powerful, powerful point. Proverbs 14.4. This is a weird verse to even throw in here, but look at this. It says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Let me break this verse down for you here because it's applicable to us today. What does that mean? Where there's an ox, you can expect a mess. Anybody raise cattle in here? Livestock, where you have animals, you're going to have a mess at some point, right? It's going to stink. It's going to be inconvenient at times. But look at this. The second part of that verse says, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. The ox can plow the field, but it takes work, time, and money to have the ox. It's messy, but the result is fruitful, is a fruitful, a fruitful crop. 
and we say, hey, we want revival, but loving our neighbor means we're going to have to move to action. And, and I'm here to declare today that our church will not be a clean stable. It will not be a clean manger. Matter of fact, it's going to get a little bit messy in here. And as the people of God, we got to get our hands a little bit dirtier. Because there are people that are on the side of the road dying and going to hell. And for far too long, the people of church have just walked by because it's inconvenient. You hear my heart today. I don't come off the stage very often. Love is more than a theory. It's action. It's standing with someone saying, hey, I know you're going through this. Can I pray with you? It's, it's, it's seeing a need. It's being discerning when you're in the store, when you're in, a, when you're in a, a convenience store in Dallas and seeing someone's need. And the Holy Spirit saying, you need to do this, not just what you want to do. You love them like I love you. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? I believe that the Holy Spirit is challenging us today. I believe that there is a spiritual harvest for this body. And there's, there's twofold things that we have to do. We have to love the Lord God with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And we have to love our neighbors with action and meet them in their mess. If you're here today, I want to give you a chance to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, this is the moment right here. No one looking around. No one looking around. Maybe, maybe you heard me talk about the prodigal. That's... That may be you. No one's looking around. No one's going to call you out. We, we just want to pray with you today. I, I, I want to lead you to Christ. Say, Pastor, I, I, I'm here and I, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. I, I felt the, the presence of the Lord since I've been in this, this, this house. I felt him, him moving in power and might. There's something inside of me, this God-shaped hole inside of me is, is yearning to know him. And, and, and under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, pastor, that's me. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in the building? Anybody in this moment? I, I'm looking around in the balcony, everywhere. Come on, I want, we'll, we'll take a little bit of time today. Come on, don't miss your moment today. Don't miss your moment today. Anybody, anybody in the building? Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Will you just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Lord, I believe, Lord, that you were born of a virgin. You lived a perfect life. You died on a cross and raised from the dead. I believe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I confess my sins today. I ask you, Lord, to wash me white as snow with the blood of Jesus today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Heaven celebrating. Heaven celebrating. talk to all the, the church. Have you felt challenged today? 
I'm challenged in my heart. I want to love people like Christ loves me. I want to see people like Christ sees people. I don't want to see a drug addict. I want to see someone that is sober, that God loves, that he has a purpose, that he has a death. That when I see people that I see them through that lens and not the lens of what I see in, in, in the temporal state. To the body, to the church. It's time that we get messy. We've been clean. We've acted like priests. We acted like Levites. It's time we act like the Samaritan. You want revival? Start acting like the Samaritan. Say, hey, Pastor. I feel that in my heart. I want to I love people like Christ loves me. If that's you, just stand. Just stand. If that's you, just stand. Whew. Will you just ask the Lord to search your heart today? Will you ask the Lord to put people on your heart and on your mind that you know maybe on the wayside, that maybe on the side of the road, that you could cross paths with, that you can make a difference, that you can love? God, we don't love them to get something back, but Lord, we love them because you first loved us. God, I am undeserving of grace, but, Lord, you give it freely. So, Lord, those people, Lord, that we're thinking of in our minds, the people that we have on our hearts, God, I pray, Lord, that they would see your love in us. Lord, that it wouldn't just be a theory, Lord, that we follow, Lord, but it would be uh, it would be done in action, that we would not only love people with our words, but we would love people through action. That means we're going to have to get a little bit dirty. That means we're going to have to get down. God, maybe pray over some people in the Holy Spirit and begin to allow the oil of gladness to be poured over people's wounds, God. And we're going to, Lord, pray over their hearts that the blood of Jesus would cover their transgressions and cover their sins in the mighty name of Jesus. And today, Lord, we say forgive us. God, forgive us for being complacent at times. God, I, I know we're not perfect, but God, you're challenging us. Lord, you're, you're pushing us. Lord, we want revival, Lord, and it starts with us loving our neighbors. I think it's safe to say that most of us love the Lord. There's probably areas where we can love him a little bit more, but it's probably safe to say that most of us love the Lord in this house but our hearts have to be turned towards our neighbors and say, we love them. We love them. Will you just lift your hands in this house right now? Ask the Lord to speak to you. I'm going to ask them to just sing this chorus real fast, and, and then I'll bless you, and, and we'll move on and, and dismiss. But in this next few moments here, I, I just ask you to, to let just... Open up your spirit. Say, Lord, change my mind. Change my heart. Lord, change my soul. God, help me to see people. God, like you see people. Help me to see through the lens of love, through the lens of Jesus Christ. God, move us to action. Come on, as, as they sing this, just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to pray in your own way, right?